My name is Marcus Matthews, clinical hypnotherapist and transformation coach. Welcome to the Talking Minds podcast. You know, I believe that everyone should live a fulfilled and happy life. But did you know the answers that you seek are not on the outside of you, but inside of you? So let me invite you to join me and my guests to find out more about how their journeys led them to living the life they never knew was possible. It's time to start Talking Minds. Okay, welcome everybody to the Talking Minds podcast. I'm really excited about this one. And the reason why I'm excited is because I have Dea Filiba. I said that right, didn't I? Excellent. Yep. Um, I was really, really, I was worried I was getting that wrong. Dea Filiba, and we're going to be talking all things ADHD today. Um, and this is something that I've been really passionate about doing a lot of research with, because um, it ain't a disorder, right? It's not a disorder. It's a superpower. Yeah. Okay. So, Daya, I'm gonna. The floor is yours. Um, just tell, just tell everybody a little bit about your journey, who you are, and why you're so passionate about kind of this subject. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Marcus. First of all, I'm really, really honored to be on uh, on this on your on your podcast. And um, yeah, this is a topic that I'm so so passionate about um, because. Having, although I do believe that it's not a disorder and it's not something um, we need to um, see as a disorder, as we'll talk about that later, having that initial diagnosis, so to speak, or um, which I now wear as a badge of honor, completely changed my life. And it explained a lot of things that until then didn't make sense to me and didn't make sense to other people. So I got diagnosed uh, with adult ADHD at the age of 30 a few years ago. And the, in, my initial reaction was one of complete, um, everything just made sense. Every impulsive decision that I had taken in my early 20s, um, the inattentiveness, um, back in my psychology classes in, in, at uni, I was, uh, we were studying about, um, uh, you know, dementia and other kind of uh, disorder, you know, uh, degenerative disorders and I was joking that I have all the symptoms you know I couldn't remember things I couldn't um yeah I was forgetting things losing things all the time so all these symptoms that I had all of a sudden made sense when I had the ADHD diagnosis um in my when I was 30 um and it was and my second reaction was one of intense and profound sadness because why did no one tell me this before? I was diagnosed before that with mild depression, with anxiety. In fact, at the same time I got diagnosed with ADHD, I also, uh, my GP diagnosed me with anxiety. And the whole reason I actually saw the diagnosis is because I had gone a period of very, very intense stress. It was about a year of very intense stress, combining work, personal things, personal relationship. And at the end of that period, I couldn't function. My executive brain just wasn't functioning properly. I couldn't make a simple decision. And someone suggested that, uh, a friend of mine actually suggested that I may have ADHD, to which I said, that's crazy. I was literally the, the, the best in my school in my first years, and I was doing extremely well later on in college as well. So it doesn't make any sense. I cannot be that hyperactive, inattentive kid. I was doing so well at school. I was the best and then later on one of the best 
I said, just, just trust me and just go and check it out. Um, and so I did. And as it often happens with people who get diagnosed with ADHD, I also got to actually experience um, the medication, Ritalin, actually before I even got the diagnosis, again, from a friend of mine. And when I did that, everything is like, some people describe it as putting on glasses. Everything just becomes clear. The brain fog lifts. You're able to focus. I felt like superwoman being able to do a thousand things a day. Um, and not just in this haphazard manner, which I was used to operating, but just one after the other, like I was super, super powerful. Um, then I got the diagnosis. Um, and it, yeah, like I said, the initial reaction was it all makes sense. The secondary reaction was sadness because no one told me this before, you know, finally, I'm not weird. <laughs> I'm not that there's nothing wrong with me it's a thing that exists and from then on i started reading all these books on adhd um by various uh various practitioners various medical uh, prof professionals and i just decided that i'll spend i didn't know what i how to do it back then i wasn't working as a therapist back then i didn't know how i was going to do it exactly but i promised to myself that i would spend at least some time some portion of my life helping others with ADHD either discover it early at that time I thought I would help them discover the diagnosis um, as time moved on maybe a year or two afterwards I kind of started moving away from identifying with the diagnosis because I started seeing that actually it's it's a blessing it's a blessing in disguise or what I like to call it a genius in disguise ADHD people that I know that I help with today are uh, ex usually extremely intelligent, very creative, very, very creative. I mean, ultimately, we're all creative. We all have a creative force within us. Um, but with people with ADHD, that develops a lot more and sometimes gets suppressed, as it was in my case. Up to my um, 30th year, I was working in the corporate world. The whole creative urge got suppressed. Um, and once I started working myself, it just came through again. So in some people, you see that it's suppressed. and some people, you very often find ADHD in people in the creative industries, also in sales, um, business owners, entrepreneurs. I was um, going to say, if I could just interrupt, if anybody's listening to this, just while you're listening, just go on Google and just put in famous people with ADHD and you'll yeah. see some of the geni most genius people, creative actors, Einstein, like people who we hold as having just been amazing and outstanding, a pretty much all would have been diagnosed or have been diagnosed with ADHD. And, and I think that's, but it's, it's, if you get it diagnosed young, it can actually ruin your life, right? It can actually. I met someone the other day who's, uh, um granddaughter i believe it was is 16 17 now and she got diagnosed a couple of years before that and that was a turning point for her and the reason she got diagnosed is because she was inattentive not even hyperactive which is you know the usual scenario with girls um you usually don't have a hyperactive component um you have the inattentive component instead and until then she had a social life she had friends and so on and when she got the diagnosis, which also coincided with the beginning of COVID. So she got more isolated and so on. And now she's really, really suffering um, 
self-harming and just lots and lots of other things. And for sure, the diagnosis has had some impact on that. Can I bring, you've said this twice now, and I find this so interesting. You said inattentive a couple of times, right? And I get that, right? I, I, I'm like with you. Everything you've said so far, I'm like, I probably have the badge myself, but I'm, I've never had a diagnosis. But like, this is why I wanted you on here, because I'm like, I know that I've probably got the badge anyway. Um, but one of the things that I think is really important to understand is, is well, if somebody's inattentive or they're hyperactive or whatever it is, um, why is it then one of the things that they say you get with ADHD is being hyper focused? Because I think that's really interesting. And I think it's about the environment in which that person is in their creative space and, and creating that environment and their strengths. Because when you look at certainly schools, it's a very narrow way. They say normal, right? So if you're if it's a disorder, it means you're not normal. Well, mm. if, we're to, if we're to pitch normal within the world at the moment, I don't want to be normal, right? No. <laughs> so if so, if the people that are running the world are normal. I, I say that's the disorder. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The disorder. And I was actually thinking about this today before we started talking. Um, the disorder is in the world. The disorder is in the way that children are raised. And that's not, uh, you know, criticism or anything against parents. It's just the way things are. People are busier and busier. And that creates initial problems in childhood development um, in the crucial years zero to three years of age actually even in pregnancy it's when it all starts um and this is what creates uh the problems within within adhd the inattentiveness the hyperactivity and so the inability to focus when things don't make sense i think this is what i wrote in in the in the blog where when we first engaged in this the when things don't make sense people start escaping, the child starts escaping to their head. Yeah. So either to their head or in the outer world, being hyperactive, bouncing off the walls and just doing things to distract herself or himself. Yeah. Or as most girls do, not all, but most girls uh, have this inattentive, so to speak, component and you start escaping to the head. Yeah. Very quiet, very shut down, actually. Probably if I had grown up in the Western world, I most likely would have been diagnosed with anxiety as a child or depression. I'm not sure. <laughs> One of those for sure. Um, but because mental health wasn't really a thing where I grew up, it just, you know, I was brought to the doctor a few times with kind of head headache complaints and so on. Uh, but they couldn't find anything wrong with me because I was a well-functioning kid. Mm. So... But all these kind of behavioral problems that get diagnosed these days in the Western world, much more so, are, yeah, I mean, they are a function of the way that life is being led right now. So parents are always busy working, don't have time to attend properly to the kid. And actually, as Dr. Gabor Mate says, who is one of the He's just done a brilliant podcast with uh, Stephen Bartlett um, on the last podcast. He He's done a lot on this. He is amazing. Yeah, people should check him out. He is really good. Talks a lot about Yeah, him. he's a genius, of course, because he yeah. has ADHD as yeah. well. I think the guy is absolutely a genius. He has a um, movie on trauma as well. I believe it's called The Wisdom of Trauma. I think there's a new one that's come up as well. Several books. His new books come out this year. Um, yeah. The Myth of Normal. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, well, that's that's why that's where that came from. That's just reminding me because that's that's who it was. That's who said if that's what if if normal is the world today, then this is yeah. an issue. I just want to bring something here because this is really from for me personally. You mentioned about I would have been diagnosed with depression, anxiety. Now this is really interesting because this is why I wanted to speak to you. My story was very similar, right? Everything you've said so far that kind of don't really fit in, and I'm in this. It's like your your spirit wants to be free, but you're locked in this coffin, yeah. right? Which is your body that you can't express that energy. You can't seem to be free. Um, and one of the things that when you go inside and you lock that energy and you lock everything in your body, if you don't express it in a certain way, it will come out eventually, right? So mm-hmm. you do get depressed, you do get anxiety, and then we give the labels of PTSD. And for me, it's really, really interesting in regards to depression, anxiety and PTSD. Actually, there should be some research around those people to see, do they have those traits of ADHD or neurodiversity within them? Because I actually think that is the foundation. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PTSD or trauma in general or complex trauma is the foundation. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so what I'm saying is is that the, so if you were to look at, say, PTSD, it's normally what I call the big T's and the big A's, right? So it might be you got abused by your parent or you got, um, you were in a battlefield situation. My question is, why is it that some people can navigate that with a bit of counselling or a bit of talk therapy and other people can't? So mm-hmm. my, my point is, is that we often look and we know this in the work that we do with hypnotherapy and rtt is that we tend to focus on the outlying symptoms so you go to a doctor it's like a recipe book right you go i got this 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 and this and they go oh you have this mm-hmm. when we know that actually the root cause is is normally what i call the little a's and the little t's so the little abuses the little traumas which might be when you were at school you didn't understand something and because you didn't understand it, the teacher wasn't able to navigate that to support you properly. It might be that you were quite hyperactive and you were always told by your parents to shut up and do as you were told. Yeah. You were a naughty child. When you weren't, you were just trying to express yourself. So mm-hmm. so I, I often think that the little A's and the little T's that are culminated over time will eventually manifest into the big abuse or the big trauma. I mean, sexual abuse is a slightly different thing, but my point is is that even with sexual abuse the purveyor of that especially if it's a parent have they been on that journey beforehand do you know you know what i mean so i think there's lots of nuances around trauma ptsd that are about us not being able to fit in our environment so we're not we don't feel as though we're in the right environment and that's why if you put creatives in a creative environment they'll flourish yeah yeah. So lots of different uh, questions in there. I know there's, lo- there's loads of stuff. I'm just unpacking a lot of stuff that's in my head. Yeah, lots of different directions they want to go into with, with that one question. Um, and of course, with my ADHD brain, I want to answer them all simultaneously. No, exactly. And, I, and I'm with you. So I was just looking at that as a whole is is, yeah. that, is is just trying to, a better way to say it is, have you heard the hunter farmer theory? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's that, just that concept of, and I always explain it like this. If you took a, a Maasai warrior who's used to hunting out in the savannah of Africa and you put them on the floor of, a, of the London Stock Exchange, they wouldn't be able to survive. They'd melt down. And if you put the stockbroker into the middle of the African wilderness, 
they wouldn't be able to survive because the skills that those people have um, have adapted to live in their environment uh, suit their environment. And the problem with school and the problem with society as it is now, I just did an air quote, even though this is a podcast, yeah. um, is that actually it's finding it's finding where your environment is. And unfortunately, because the system is built on a very structured, rigid system, anybody who's creative, who doesn't fit into that particular square, it's like the round hole, the square peg and the round hole, right? If you don't fit into that, then you're not normal. So you're basically yeah. told that this is how the world is. This is what the world should look like. Yeah. But you don't have a place here. So you've got to, I think when you've got that, you've got to go and find your own place. And I think that's why entrepreneurs, people who are creative that are in the arts will go and do that sort of stuff because they've got to do something outside of what is normal to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then there's a, that's a, to me, every person who's creative has the same traits as someone who has ADHD. So yeah. that begs the question. What's the difference between someone who's a successful business owner? Uh, Richard Branson, great example. He has, has been diagnosed with ADHD. Lots of famous people, like you mentioned. They say, yeah, Einstein, Thomas Edison, all these people would have been diagnosed had yeah. it existed, had it been a thing, air quote, at the time. Yeah. Um, Justin Timberlake, I think, is the most... Yes, he is. Yeah, he's another one. Yeah. So many. So I also, I also present all these people and I say, look, all these famous people, creatives, um, da Vinci, I think, as well, was was yeah. on there saying, yeah, this person would have had ADHD, of course, so many different things he was doing. Um, so many famous inventors, uh, geniuses, um, business owners were successful, had ADHD. So what is the difference between a successful person who is not suffering, suffering, so to speak, yeah, from yeah. ADHD, someone who is creative and they're suffering with their symptoms and they cannot be successful in life? And it comes back to that early childhood upbringing and the school system. So I've, I've had parents tell me, well, no, my daughter's son had lots and lots of love. It's about the school. That can be the case sometimes. But again, we need to look at the very, very early years. So creatives, business owners, people with ADHD, all creative. Creative people are all very sensitive. Now, is sensitivity uh, kind of a learned behavior or something that you're born with? It's for me, it, I think it's from and the research I've read is a combination of the two. So you're me born too, with a certain too. level. I, I, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. You're born with a certain level of sensitivity, which is also affected by the conditions that you are um, of pregnancy as well. Mm -hmm. So how much the mother is stressed in the first years, I actually read recently that in the last months of pregnancy, um, stress in the last months of pregnancy is co correlated with ADHD, which makes perfect sense because the brain develops gradually. So the the the, the reptilian brain develops first, then the next the, yeah. the following structures and the neocortex develops last. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense because with from an ADHD point of view, for maybe for those of you who don't know, the uh, kind of one of the ideas behind it um, is that the prefrontal cortex gets underdeveloped therefore the executive functioning isn't isn't perfect prioritizing task management time management and so on that's why people struggle have you with read dr rachel gow's report on this they did a study at harvard around this uh, very quickly she's amazing she's amazing it's worth it's worth looking into her work but what they discovered was and this might be something to look into with your clients and, and i've noticed this when i've 
when I've spoken to people, I don't I specialize in that area, but in the third trimester, as you said, the later where the, where the, where the, the neocortex and the prefrontal cortex are being developed, um, women have baby brain and they have baby brain because of these salicylic acids called EPA and DHA, which go from the mother into the baby to help that part of the brain develop. And what they noticed was, was that where these salicylic acids don't go into the baby as much, ADHD can often be prevalent. Now, the other thing was, was that in the study, instead of drug therapy, they noticed that omega-3 was a high source of these salicylic acids. So one of the mm -hmm. things, and the research shows this, that taking omega-3, 6, and 9 is a good thing for ADHD. But what was even more interesting that they found in the study was, was that once the brain has taken in um, omega-6 and 9, it actually blocks omega-3, so you can't get the salicylic acids in. So they noticed a couple of different products that actually do allow it to go in. Now, I started using one of these products. It's a product called Barleens. And oh my God, as soon as I started to take it, uh, my brain just fired up. Lion's Mane was another one. I've been looking at mushrooms. So Chaga, mm -hmm. Lion's Mane, Cordyceps. And all of those have that same effect of bringing that on. And a lot of it is to do with that kind of that, I'm going to say that chemical imbalance in the brain, but it, it's about allowing the brain to function and create the environment in the brain and the body where the nervous system can come online and all the rest yeah. of it. So I, it's not just about this. Nutrition is important as well, isn't it? In regards to Very much so, yes. Supplements, nutrition is something we can talk about as well. Um, yeah, omega-3, That's uh, that's been, um, yeah, yeah, for ADHD, that's really, really helpful. Other amino acids as well. Taurine is something that's helped me personally as well. Um, they say tyrosine is something that, I mean- So what are they? I've not heard of those. So I'm interested in that. What are they? Amino acids. So it's something you can okay. find a help for. And I recommend to anyone who feels they need it to just experiment and see what works for them because everybody's different. And um, you set chemical disbalance as if it's, I, I know why I, I, I can imagine. I also don't like to use that term because- No, I know, neither do I, I hate it. Cause it's always, well, what moves the chemicals, right? <laughs> it's not untrue. I don't think it's untrue. There is, there is, it is, you know, research does prove that the way um, there is um, when we are not focused people with ADHD, we actually don't have enough, you know, dopamine doesn't uh we don't have enough dopamine that's the reason we get bored so easily and hyper focus is actually now the dopamine coming in rushing in because we're so super interested in something now actually my question is why would you ever do something that you're not interested in of course there's certain things that yeah, need right. to be done. <laughs> but, but the why is it the norm that you need to be able to do anything and everything and every subject in school and everything in life that you don't necessarily want to do instead of actually focusing on what you love doing, which sounds to me a, a lot more interesting and efficient. a battery in a system, right? It's, it's yeah. interesting because I talk about this. I think it's like 75% of people hate their job. But if you look at the, the, the pathway, so the first four years, we, if we're in a great home, we get to play and we get to have a good time. And then we go into a system where we might not fit in, but it's all we have yeah. to fit in. Then we go to college, maybe, to another system we have to fit in, because then we can go to university, to another system, which is why most yeah. geniuses, by the time they get to university, drop out, right? Bill Gates, yeah. Einstein, you name them all, right? They normally drop out. And they say, well, once you've got your degree, that means you can get a good job. So then you can, once you've got a good job, you'll be able to have a pension so that when you retire, you can live again. And I look at that and you go, okay, so for the first four years, we can be happy and do whatever we want. 
And then once we're retired, we can be happy and do whatever we want. But for most of our life, we just got to be measurable and fit in the system. Why would exactly. you do that? Exactly. We'll <laughs> do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. I watched um, the new movies called Slumberland last night, and they're about this little girl who grows up in a lighthouse, and then she got, her father dies, she gets taken away, gets taken to school, and she says, she's 11, she says, no, I never went to school, because my father says that's a system which then prepares you to do a job that you don't even like, and then, no, she says school is a prison, which prepares you to do a job that you don't even like which is another prison and then you go to your final prison a nursery home and then you die <laughs> yeah exactly and, it, and that's not well, taken away from education by the way because i think that's important but mm. schools are about i always this i said this to my um to my youngest um who is very creative by the way um but i said to her, what's the purpose of school what's the purpose of education you know to learn i went it's to take information in and to then re regurgitate that information School is about information, not about application. And you need to always follow the things that make you happy. So it doesn't matter what you do in life. Just focus on, does this make me happy? Yes or no. So when you leave yeah. school, go, what? Do, so he's doing his GCSEs at the moment. And I said, what do you want to do? And he went, I don't know. I said, what makes you happy? So when you're making yeah. your career choice now, yeah, get your GCSEs because that's the system. He will, he's clever. But I said, that's the system. What you need to now focus on is, what makes me happy? So if if what makes you happy is traveling around the world, go and travel around the world. If what makes you yeah. happy is, you know, being a bin man, go and be a bin man. Don't follow the narrative that you have to go and have a degree. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of billionaires and billionaires that want to kill themselves because they're not happy. They've got loads of money, but you know. Yeah. And that's exactly the thing. The reason I got diagnosed with uh, anxiety, depression, and finally with ADHD, which at least explained everything um and I and then I started seeing things in a different light is that I never did what made me happy I never I was used to following the system listening to other people and so on so up until I was 30 actually 29 30 when I started things started falling apart to create space for something new um I was just following. I went from one thing from university. I, you know, I did my master's. I did all of that. I got a job. I paid off my student loans. I wasn't following my dreams. And that's going back to my previous point. What's the difference between a successful business person or creative person who definitely will have ADHD should they ever take a test, but they don't. They don't take it because they're happy. So they don't yeah. have the need to be diagnosed. And then someone else who is suffering. And I always say the problem isn't ADHD because I promise you that let's not be kind of so deterministic but i would say at least most people that are creative would be diagnosed with adhd were they to actually seek a diagnosis yeah. um but the, the the problem is not the adhd the adhd is the creativity and potentially the forgetfulness and distractibility those are the true genuine kind of unique i would say ad not even that unique because in ptsd you also have those symptoms but i would say this is kind of what separates ADHD to an extent. Everything else um, is just a, a, a matter of, uh, the problem isn't ADHD, is the anxiety and the depression. And that's what make people seek a diagnosis. Yeah. You feel your relationship isn't going well, you work, you get fired from every job, you're, you know, you're impulsive, you speak over other people and so on, and you seek a diagnosis um, because you haven't followed your heart your heart's desire so can i ask you um, a question i'd be really interested from somebody who's had a diagnosis 
and just as something that links with something that you've just said and go back to the mind and the way that that inattentiveness. So one mm-hmm. of the things that I read about this was that if we go back to that hunter part of things, if you're hunting and you're not interested in doing quadratic equations or geometry, mm-hmm. right? You're going to go, oh, I don't need to do that. So there's no point in me learning it, right? But when you're forced into an environment when you have to do that, and I don't know if this is a symptom that you come across with clients who've had ADHD, but one of the things that I found with a lot of my clients is that they get something what I call the cloud. And it's mm-hmm. when you're not in that environment and you feel as though you don't fit in and things are going wrong, you get this cloud that descends, which basically shuts your brain off. So logic goes out of the logic goes out of the room because the cortisol is now pumping around your brain and it's going, we don't need that part of our brain. We don't need the neocortex. We don't need the prefrontal cortex, right? We're, we're now into our limbic system. We're trying to work it out, but then we're going, no, no, I'm in the wrong environment. I'm now in fight or flight mode. And that's yeah. where you might interrupt. That's where you might just go, ah, because you're not coming from a place of logic. And a lot of people can't understand that. And I just wondered, that's something that I found in myself, something I found in a lot of my clients. And I just wondered from your experience personally, did you ever experience that kind of, when you were in that place where you didn't feel, you didn't fit in, you didn't feel safe. And that feeling is that kind of going, you shouldn't be here, you need to be somewhere else. And you got that. Is, is that something you've experienced? Goodness, like on occasion I still do. Yeah. A lot less rarely than before, of course, but on occasion I still do. And what I do know now is that's a sign that I shouldn't be here. That's not what's, that's not right for me. And actually these days my body is literally telling me, um, and again, we can then go into OCD, anxiety. Again, that's not being yourself, right? That's your body telling you something is wrong and they're for you. Res- they're a result, aren't they? These, these things that we call anxiety and depression are a result of that environment where we don't fit in. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to exactly. get to. Yeah. I know now that if I start acting a little weird or I have to an obsessive thought, that's because something's telling me you don't want to be here. That's not your right track. You don't actually want to be here. Exactly. So then I can adjust. And what happens usually is that people experience OCD, anxiety, uh, depression, panic attacks. And again, these often go with ADHD because, again, sensitivity, creativity, sensitivity, you're more prone to all of these things, OCD, uh, addiction, alcoholism, which is part of addiction as well, depression, mood swings, and so on. Connection, so- right? It's all, it's all connection or disconnection. Yeah. It's all disconnection. Yeah, it's all disconnection. And... Uh, the, all these things are just telling you you're not in the right environment, you're not on the right track, or you're beating yourself up with things that are not your fault necessarily. So I have clients who, uh, who for example, experience this problems in the relationship. So for example, let's say they, they are creative already, so they are in the right environment professionally. Um, they might even be in a good relationship, but they still have issues within that. Why? Because our closest people, our children and partner, usually they trigger us. They trigger that childhood trauma that was never healed. So that's why it's all about healing that childhood trauma, right? When you, when your partner makes you feel rejected or abandoned, immediately the amygdala fires up, right? Exactly what you said, prefrontal cortex, prefrontal uh, neocortex shuts down. It's already having a hard time regulating the environment in people with ADHD, right? It's already not as strong. That filter that the prefrontal cortex provides in neotypical people, so to speak, it's not as developed. 
in people with ADHD or neurodiverse people. So it's easier kind of to shut it down. Amygdala fires up, you're in fight or flight, you just want to run away, fight or freeze, become non-responsive and so on. The other person, of course, responds based on their own trauma, even if it's less than, um, you know, that yours, and it, it escalates from there. And that creates problems in a relationship. Again, with children, they say children um, kind of trigger us on the age that they're at. So for example, you have a child who will trigger memories from one year or two, whether that's again, of rejection, abandonment, whatever it is. So again, it's about ADHD is also very closely related to attachment, to insecure attachment. Um, I, because again, it's about attuning to a child's needs. That is so, so crucial. And as I, as I read somewhere recently, people seem to think that being a loving and affectionate parent is something that's just nice. It's not, it's so essential. Yeah. It's everything. It's survival, <laughs> right? It's just survival when you're young. You know, that's part of your survival mechanism, isn't it? And if you don't feel safe and, and you're going to survive, then although our brain doesn't know time, right? So it just thinks we're going to get eaten by a lion or a tiger. Well, yes. that's, that's never going to happen, but the mind doesn't know that. <laughs> exactly. The mind doesn't know that. You're used to living in a constant fight or flight or freeze or fawn response. And um, that's just how you continue into adulthood. And whenever someone... It seems that someone's rejecting you, your boss, your partner, your child, your person in the street. Again, yeah, the limbic system takes over, you react. I want to come into it in a second. I, we talked about this before the podcast. I want to bring something in, but I, I want to segue something because I think there's something that's really important that I think people might want to know about. And this is about connection and connection and communication. Mm -hmm. So I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this. So as somebody who's been diagnosed with ADHD, as somebody who <laughs> hasn't had a diagnosis, but I'm like, going, I, I definitely have, right? But I don't do the list. I'm neurodiverse. I always say that now I am neurodiverse. Is, do you ever get, or do your clients also get this thing that they know what they want to say and in their head, it makes perfect sense when they say it. it there's no, there's no malice. There's no intent. There's no nothing. It, they come from a completely loving place, but when they mm -hmm. open their mouth, it sounds perfectly normal what they're saying, but then, people react in like in a different way and you're saying what did i do and then you start that i, I write a book at the moment it's, it's called the four thieves of happiness which is judgment <laughs> shame guilt and validation and, and i i don't know what you feel about those those when it comes to that communication aspect of you go i'm now being judged for what i said and i don't know why i feel so shameful why couldn't i do that i feel guilty that i've upset that other person and then you try and validate your response to try and explain what it is, but you can't communicate it. I don't know if that lands yeah. with you when you can understand yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I can. Very well. <laughs> I've, I, that's exactly how I used to live my life in this constant state of, I don't know what I just said. I don't know what I just said. It upsets people so much, you know. Mm. Um, and of course, it can happen to anyone and it still happens to me. It can happen with other people. And it's also about being able to see... a empathy is another thing people with adhd of neurodiverse people often come across almost narcissistic in relationships that's what i often say because again empathy the part of the brain that's responsible for empathy that's again develops based on the early years of life again attunement you know parental attunement with a child's needs if you don't have that if you've been shipped to different places you have a messy environment 
conflict, fights, arguments being raised by different people, had a broken in any in any shape or form broken attachment, that part of the brain also um, doesn't develop properly. It's also about the left right brain integration, which I thought was where you were going initially with this, you know, being able to logically explain something but then it might not actually match how you actually feel and vice versa, being able to communicate. I actually read a case about a girl who was basically completely neglected, abused, kept in a room for the first 13 years of her life or something. Her right brain was so developed, she was able to communicate without saying a word what she yes. wanted, but she couldn't logically explain it. So again, that left right brain integration, which isn't unique to, you know, again, that has to do with the traumatic yeah, go even deeper though though because then you can start to look at the masculine divine and the feminine divine and even the left bright brain i've done a lot of research on this that's then split up into various different things but you said about narcissism because i think this is really interesting so i would always say the opposite of narcissism is empathy and i mm -hmm. would say and this this is quite interesting something just triggered in my brain fired in my brain when you said that i would say people who are that neurodiverse type of person that neurodiverse person rather than neurotypical are extremely empathetic. They're extremely loving. They come from a, a but yeah. they when they speak, it sounds narcissistic. However, Gabo Mate in I think it's in his latest book, but he also talks about this on the um, Steve Butler podcast, the Diary of a CEO. I love this. He said, "All babies are born narcissists." Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? And, yeah. and, and, and I thought this was so interesting because what he said was he was kind of saying that we expect to be loved. We expect that we'll be fed. We expect that everybody will do everything that we think that they will do, right? That's that's our natural state that we come into the world with that and we give and receive love equally. Um, so it's quite interesting that you use the word narcissism, but we have a connotation about narcissism in regards to, for me, narcissism is somebody that doesn't feel empathy. Therefore, given everything we've said, is it the, for, to survive the narcissist? Because we know narcissism can be um linked with trauma again there are probably adhd components with narcissism so there's kind of like two parts of that brain let's say you've got the empathy adhd who always gives and gives and gives and gives so it's painful to always give right and then you've got the narcissist adhd type type that are always taking 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 and it's mm. and it's it's finding that it's finding that balance so i wanted to the only reason i say that about balance in the brain is I know that what you do is the same as me. We use the subconscious mind. We find the root cause to why people feel the way they, they learn to understand who they are. Mm -hmm. But the, one of the reasons why I do coaching, and I'm pretty sure you probably do as well, on top of that subconscious work, is you still need a set of tools to be able to ground yourself, to bring that neocortex back on so you can bring that logical side of your brain on. So do you want to just talk to me a little bit about that? Because I know you mentioned EFT, but I'd be really interested in what, techniques that you use to empower people because that's what these techniques do right so it's sure. not about the, that aft stuff is great but on its own isn't it enough that's why you work in the subconscious mind right mm -hmm. but then when yeah. you put the tools with that then you really can grab your superpower you know who you are you know how you can be in that environment and you can move forward so i'd love to share sort of what tools you use and how you're empowering your clients on that aspect of it once you they find out oh i'm not a freak I'm actually a superhero. It's a bit like the yeah. X-Men, right? They, they, before, they, when they, before they go to the X-Men school, they're kind of got all these superpowers and they're flying all over the place and they don't know how to do it. And Professor X shows them how to harness their power. 
which I'm getting. We both, I think that's what we both do, right? We both help yes, people sir. harness their power. They're driving a Ferrari at 200 mile an hour under corner. They don't know where the brake <laughs> is and how to take the corner, right? So I'd love <laughs> for you to just to share, um, I'd be really interested in that, what you do to support people, because I think this is key, that you're you're actually working with the left brain and the right brain. So hypnosis, right brain, subconscious, that's where your power is. And then your left brain, you're bringing in the prefrontal cortex. You're then showing people, right, I now know how I am. I'm not a freak. So tell me a little bit more about how you really empower people and the tools that you use. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So again, I have, I mean, I would like to talk about the narcissism as well later on. We can go back to that if that's okay. As we, we moved away from that, but I can talk about techniques if you want me to. You know, if you want me to, I have a comment about the narcissism versus empathy as well, because I think well, that let's, maybe well, let's stick on that topic. Let's stick on the narcissism empathy thing, and then and then because the thing is, one of the things I do know about people who are more neurodivergent, this podcast will probably go on for about four hours. So I am grounding myself to kind of go make sure that you know it's not going to go on for hours and hours and hours. So I'm using my tools and techniques now and having that conversation with me to go right. Keep on track. Where are we going to go? Let's get all this information out because this could like be a whole suite of podcasts, right? So, yeah, I think it's I think that it's interesting to see your viewpoint on the empathy and the narcissism because I think we're unpicking. Although this is under the banner of ADHD, I'm hoping that there's people listening to this who go, "I'm depressed. I've got anxiety. I've had PTSD." But wait a minute, I've noticed there's this character that is been suppressed by all of this stuff, and for me, ADHD is just somebody who's just a bit weird. And, and yeah. actually, we, I'm trying to normalize this, that this conversation is that this is the human experience, right? And you just mm -hmm. need to know where you are in the human experience. So yeah, carry on. Tell me a bit more about that empathy narcissism thing. Anyone who's suffering, you know, in whatever diagnosis they have, PTSD, ADHD, OCD, anxiety, depression, bipolar, okay, maybe bipolar, we're going to a bit different field. But... Uh, do you know, I'd be with you. No, keep the bipolar one in there. I would agree That's with you. I would agree yeah. with you. Yeah, I've got enough clients that I've worked with with that. Yeah. Um, anyone needs to just go back to basics and understand how it all works. Understand the very basics. Of course, not everybody is going to become a therapist or psychiatrist, but at least to understand the basics of human development for their own sake and to relieve the suffering and also for the children and future generations, because not just about you is how you pass on the trauma, as, as you and I both know. So you need to be the person who stops that trauma that just passed on to the generations, to our children, their children, and so on. And for you to do that, you need to understand it. And what I love doing, so I'm going to touch on both topics. Now we can go back to techniques and then also the narcissism. So what I love doing with my clients is empowering them to understand. So yes, I use coaching. I also use emotional freedom technique, which releases the trauma in the body. As we know, the trauma actually stays as emotional blo as blockages in the body. It's not a metaphysical concept that's actually scientific. So I use emotional freedom technique to, on top of uh, hypnotherapy and RT to help them release that trauma. And it's very good because it's uh, for me, that's more after you discover where it all comes from, you can just clear up everything that's, that's still remaining there. Um, and, um, but I also like to empower people to, to, to explain to them how it all works because they need to understand, they need to be able to self-heal in a way, self um, first be self-aware, of course, but also understand how it all works. With EFT, is, you know, I teach them also how to do EFT. That's the benefit of it, that you can do it on your own as well. Um, but yeah, just even just knowing where it all comes from. And Anyone who has any diagnosis, PTSD, OCD, bipolar, IDHD, whatever, 
um, they need to go back to basics and understand that the root cause of all of that is traumatic experiences. And as it's the body keeps a score, as I'm sure you've read that book, it's the, the, he says, um, it depends on the physician's inclination, whether the person who presents with a bunch of symptoms gets diagnosed with ADHD, PTSD, or OCD. If they're bouncing off the walls and the cancer is still in the fidgety, it's gonna be ADHD. If they uh, have flashbacks, it's gonna be PTSD. If they have compulsive behavior, obsessive thoughts, OCD, and so on and so forth. So it depends on the most prominent symptoms and the physician's inclination. Um, but actually, it's about the trauma they have experienced. And more often than not, it's not a one-off traumatic event. It's about that sustained trauma, whether it's, you know... Yeah, the, the little eggs and little teas, right? That is, it's that, that's why I said, for me, that's the big thing, is that it's the little eggs and little teas that have happened that you, over time, yeah, uh, and that as, emotion. Uh, and as Dr. Gabriel says, the trauma isn't what happens to you, isn't the rape, isn't the abuse, isn't the beating, it's what happens inside of you and who's there to hold your hand through 100%. the process. Yeah. You know, to get abused or attacked or raped and so on. And people tell you, it's your fault. You know, you should have been there. You should have been dressed like this. It's that's that's the trauma or that adds to the trauma in this case. And, and this is why I have clients who say, well, and, and it was me as well. I said, well, I've never been abused. I've never had anything kind of physical so intense. I had never had any big T trauma. How can I be, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling okay? And I have clients saying the same thing. You know, other people have it much worse. So why am I feeling this way? And actually it's one way we shut people down and feelings down. Don't worry about it. Other people have it much worse. Sympathy, right? And Sympathy divides. Empathy connects, doesn't it? And when we say when we say that, Brené Brown does a, a great thing on that. Sorry for interrupting you. I did it. I'm allowed to. You you understand why I did it? <laughs> um, but no, I agree. I agree. Is that one of the things that a lot of people do? And I think people who are more neurodivergent because you you feel energy a little bit more is that when somebody's sympathetic to you, they're coming from their perspective and they're going, okay, it might be better. I remember when I, I had the breakdown, I was told, don't worry, it'll all work out in the end. And I was like, no, it won't. I was like, I have a complete meltdown. My life is over. Da, da, da. My head's running all over the place. And often yeah. all you want to hear is, that sounds shit. That's yeah. it. That's all you want to hear. You don't want to solutionize it. You just want to go, that sounds shit. If you want to speak yeah. about it. I'm here. And all of a sudden your body goes, okay, I feel safe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is that understanding that connection again, comes back to connection, understanding empathy. Um, again, Philippa Perry in the, how the book you wish uh, your parents had read. I'm sure, you know, it. many people. No, no, come across that one. I, I, I oh, back to my massive Amazon audible list of books that I'm uh, always in. <laughs> It's a wonderful book on parenting, which I think is also useful in every situation and any relationship as well. Even if you're not a parent, I would recommend it. The book you wish your parents had read and your children will be glad you did. Philippa Parrish is a UK psychotherapist. Um, really, really good. And she talks about the way we shut ch children's pe uh, feelings down, which then teaches them to suppress feelings, become avoidant, you know, dismissive, anxious, and so on, clingy, and so on and so forth. Um Back to the narcissism versus empathy comment. I do believe, I, I think I mentioned that the other day in, in the post that we connected through. 
I, I don't think I'll ever meet a person with ADHD who is just mean or uncaring. I don't think that ever happens. I think people with ADHD are very right-brained. In fact, it's being on the autistic spectrum. That's one of the main yeah. differences between yeah, absolutely. right brain and very, very caring. What I said is that they come across almost narcissistic. And yeah. the reason in that stress response, that kind of lack of attunement you've not learned to understand your own feelings and you're having a difficult time interpreting other people's feelings mm. again going back to childhood that just that sort of connection to say i know what i'm feeling and i know i shouldn't speak right now because this other person is not feeling well just kind of reading it's not that you don't have empathy it's just that you have a hard time reading it if that makes sense yeah well this is what i'm saying it was just something you said there and that's that's exactly what i'm saying is is that when you say something you think it's perfectly fine but it doesn't come across the right way what just hit me really hard around narcissism is is that we pretty much know most studies show that anybody who's narcissistic has come from some very complex trauma there's some trauma happened in their life and i'm just wondering where where with something like adhd or autism where they're very sensitive on that way is that somebody with narcissism has that, has that part, but they've been so traumatized that they've had to go completely left brain, unlock their self away. So they, they don't even allow themselves to access that aspect because they're unsafe if they do. So they've got, yeah. I'm not even going there. And that's why with narcissist, narcissists, you can't really have a conversation with them. You can't really put your point across. And, and from my, the studies that I've looked at around narcissism, is that it is that it's a very much a survival instinct it's 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 the equivalent of where with the adhd you're focused on the lion not coming at you um so you're aware of your environment you're hyper focused so you can deal with that when it comes up but with the narcissist is the equivalent the lion's in front of you so about to kill you and you're just going to stab it everything else is now shut down and you're not ever you're not ever allowed to come so the narcissist is always in that fighting mode they're always but but it's become so familiar that they're not even aware that they're doing it so it it just seems there's a lot of it from what you've said when we look at trauma as being the root whether that be big trauma little trauma whatever it is everything we've said so far is trauma focused and i just wonder whether the traits that people have that we would call adhd or more neurodivergent are actually the same traits that narcissists would have it's just that they are the other end of the spectrum where they won't even let that out and entertain it or anything like that. They're in such survival mode within their mind and within their body. Their nervous system is so locked up that they can't even open that up and won't even let anybody in. It was just, it was just an observation. I just thought it was quite interesting that they're yeah. polarities of each other, but actually the root cause is probably all the same. And it depends the environment in which that that has come out. Exactly. And some people with ADHD uh, lie as well. So I think you mentioned lying as part mm-hmm. as, as a narcissistic trait. I mean, some are very sensitive like me. I cannot stand. I've, I have been actually, some are painfully honest. Like yeah, me. I'm the same. I, I'm, I, I'm crap at lying. I can't do it. People can see right through me. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I just, and I, when I sense it in other people, it used to, especially in the past, just drive me crazy when I sense that someone is saying one thing and then it con- you, can, you feel it, don't you? You can tell you've got, there's a six. I think that's why I was such a good police officer. I knew without any evidence when somebody was lying, I just needed to go and get the evidence. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, exactly. I've uh, I was told once that I should have studied criminal psychology. And <laughs> yeah. Not too late. Maybe it's not too late to go into that as well. Um, which is actually another topic that um maybe going a bit away from ADHD, but that's something I'm really passionate about. Again, people who to become criminals in some way that again goes back to trauma it's not, not fit, because not fitting into the system yeah and by punishing them we we perpetuate that yeah, trauma absolutely it's, we're not actually solving the problem um what were we talking about well this might be a good i think because i think i think just to conclude where we are at the moment if we just take the labels off everything ocd adhd narcissism i think i think the journey that we've kind of come on so far is that we've identified that somebody who is neurodivergent rather than neurotypical has just a different way of looking at the world that, that whatever that journey has been whether it's been in this life whether it's been former lives whatever it is you just see the world differently it's no differently different than the way that a lion with forward-facing eyes sees the world that way and a rabbit sees the world from the it's the same world they just the perspective and the way they view and interact into the world are just different. And, and, yeah. and just, one's right and one's wrong. It just, it just means that that's the way that they, they see the world, they experience the world. And then yeah. on top of that, those people that see that world then come across certain traumas and that trauma could be something that is put upon them or the trauma might be the environment in which they're in. Would you say that that's kind of a, a conclusion so far? And then from that, dependent on how they express themselves because we know communication can be quite difficult so when you go to a professional certainly somebody who's not a specialist in this area you know it might be your gp it might be just your healthcare practitioner depending on what the ingredients and the way that you can express yourself mm -hmm. it might be adhd it might be ptsd it might be anxiety it might be depression it might be ocd it might be yeah. whatever it is and we put labels and now we've got a label people you kind of use that as an excuse so we then disempower them and i think that's why it's so important if anybody's seeing any of this stuff in themselves that it's worth going down this route and speaking to somebody because you've been through it right this is a different you haven't just studied this you've lived it gone to that dark place and then go, why the fuck has this happened and come out yeah. i've done exactly the same thing so we've both been on the journey we've not just read it in a book and I think this is another thing that there's lots of psychologists and people out there, um, doctors, not all, that have studied medicine because the system has said, go study medicine because that's a good thing to have in society. If you're a doctor, blah, 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 blah. Society will love you. Um, and this is where I think it's really important. And I'm passionate about this to say, it's not any particular person or any particular technique that will help you. You mentioned mm -hmm. EFT. It's about finding that person who you can find their story in them. So yeah. I, I'd just like to, as we're coming towards near the end of, of the podcast, I'd, I'd like to really link that story and why what you do using hypnotherapy, using RTT, using EFT, using the coaching, understanding all of this sort of stuff. Why would it that if somebody feels that maybe something resonated in this conversation today, why would it, where is the benefit of coming having a conversation with you about it rather than going to their GP and going, get some sertraline to numb their brain out, which is pretty much what most people are told. Take some sertraline. We'll just, we'll get rid of the cortisol, but we'll also get rid of the dopamine, the serotonin. We'll get rid of everything. We'll just numb you out and you can just sit there, you know, with no feelings whatsoever. 
tell me why, like me, you're so passionate about telling people that these type of complementary therapies are are actually useful and how it how you can empower that person to get their life back on track when they think they're just a weirdo freak. Sure. Well, that's actually part of my story, which I didn't share in the beginning. Um, so again, a couple of things I want to say at the same time. As I, um, it's funny you said earlier the square peg in a round hole. That's exactly the title of my book. I, I <laughs> gave out a few years a couple of years ago. Could you buy the news that one then? <laughs> mm-hmm. I said it's good. I didn't use that for my new one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, you can. I call it a square peg achiever because that's the thing. You okay, people with ADHD achieve sometimes overachieve but they always feel that they are underachieving something and they always feel that they're square in a hole and as i wrote there it's about again it's about healing it's the first step to everything is self-awareness and i talk there about the virtuous cycle of personal development so to speak and healing so the first step is self-awareness and you have to commit to the process because it, it can get tough and a lot of people pull back then you have to use an approach such as I mean, I don't care what approach you use, as long as it actually looks at the root cause yeah. and and taps into the problem, the, the actual trauma, the actual root cause of the problem, rather than numb the pain, which is what um, medic, um, uh, you know, medication and I think does. And I that with EFT, can't we, or even breathing in many ways, is that they're great coping mechanisms to ground you, but understanding is is power. Again, you have to connect. Understanding is power, absolutely. For me, I've always wanted to understand what happened. I mean, I have normal family. There's no abuse. There's no meanness. There's no spite. There's no nothing. So why can't? How can I suffer so much? Um, it, you know, a few years, like ten years ago. Um, why was I so shut down? Why didn't I? Why couldn't I follow my dreams? If you, even if you, if you want that, you know, when I had my first um, EFT session, that was actually the beginning of my journey. I started remembering that I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just remembered I never wanted to work for the corporate world. I never wanted to do all that and work for somebody else in an industry I wasn't even interested in. I wanted to do my own thing. I just all of a sudden remember that because the trauma was cleared. So anything that works with the body as well, breath work, um, anything psychosomatic, and then there are many approaches out there. And um, and yes, the, uh, it doesn't matter what approach it is. It matters that you resonate with it and that you resonate with your therapist as well. And it's all about the trust. As we know, it's proven. It's about the belief in the practitioner, the, the, the approach and something that works for you. Um, but something that works with the body as well and uh, on a subconscious level is very important because what happens in trauma, as we know, gets stuck in the body. And also there's the dissociation, in the mind yeah. and body. So yeah. with your body, it's really important, even if it's not, we're not talking about intense, PTSD, you know, big T trauma, even in this small T trauma, you still dissociate to some extent. And again, that's what ADHD is. You live in your head, you know, you distract yourself because the environment was too difficult to handle the conflict or the, you know, the messiness. Yeah. The, the ADHD brain is used to a mess. That's the main thing. And that's probably the main difference between if we, if you want to kind of pinpoint the trauma, oh, big or small T trauma that people with ADHD have gone through, it's there has to be an element of mess you know either conflict in the family or a kind of changing hands being shipped to different places it just doesn't make sense or you know a family structure that is um it just doesn't make sense you know i have um i have clients that you know the family structure changes such where they just it just completely 
messed um, messed with their brain where you know their best friend became their kind of step sister step brother it's just all these kind of different things that a child cannot explain there was no one to help them comprehend that's what creates the mess that's what creates the confusion and therefore brain fog and you're like okay this doesn't make sense i'm just gonna shut down and then you become inattentive or in some cases hyperactive and so on um so your so before i started talking about uh about the book and healing so why should they come yes I actually started uh, with medication, right? I mean, I was diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety at the same time. So I was on the full range of modern day medication, yep. as I like to call it. So I was taking sertraline, Ritalin, and uh, diazepam. So for when the anxiety was so high, I couldn't even function. Yeah. And then six months later, I thought to myself, I, I don't want to go on like this for the rest of my life just to function and initially it was great you know i could function again i got a new job it was great got a pay rise but i just thought i i still don't like my job it's still meaningless it's just that i'm functioning much better than before yeah. i don't want to live on this life support just to be functioning and making you know you don't want to cope and manage right you, you know i i love it with anything that's mental health based we go well if you do this it'll help you cope and manage but i always say if you got a broken leg and the doctor went in and said i'll tell you what we're going to drug you up so that you don't feel the pain just walk on the other leg and then come and speak to me every five you know every five days about how you're getting on they'd get disbarred but with mental health we <laughs> we don't set the environment because when you've got a broken leg what does the doctor do they put the bones back in place so it's the correct environment so the heal healing can happen and that, that's what we do with the mind right we it's about creating the environment where the mind can heal where the body can heal where the nervous system can reset itself and then you you then learn how you can then walk again that's exactly yeah i love that i love that marcus i uh, i'd never used the words cope or 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 or, or manage um, you know, some, you know, I know sometimes people use or manage anxiety. Yes, there are times when you need to manage, but ultimately you want to heal and change the internal environment. That so shouldn't be our everyday state, right? It's like we're always going to go through difficult times. And that's just the human experience. Um, and that's why we have a limbic system, because our limbic system is there to go, oh, this is different. I always say to my clients whenever, um, I can't remember the, the lady's name, um, it's Dr. Sarah, she's a psychologist. But I love this. She said, when that when the cloud descends and she says, notice the cloud, notice you're not the cloud. So when it comes to ADHD or PTSD, I always say the, not my, all right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, notice the cloud, that's interesting. And then when you're having a good time, notice the sun, that's interesting. You're not the sun, you're not the cloud, you're the sky and there's infinite possibilities. And I think that's what, when, when, we, we, when we work with clients and we can empower them and we go, oh, that's the ADHD or the, that, the the thing we call ADHD. That's my over talking. That's me over talking to somebody. That's me doing this. I'm getting a bit hyper. You, oh, I'm noticing that now. I'm not that. I'm just noticing it. Okay, breathe. Yeah. Just come back online. Yeah. You know, and it's and I think that's the power of what you do. It's like it's the power of what I do. It's it's we allow people to notice the experience rather than being the experience. Yeah. Notice and even celebrate. I mean, sometimes yeah. you. Uh, you think, um, oh, okay, but I did that session. Even me, after the first time I had an EFT session, like I said, that was my first experience with transformational therapy. Um, and then even after my RT session as well, I thought, that's it. I'm fixed. It's done. Everything is amazing. Work is never done. <laughs> Same with my clients, you know, they, um, I say, don't feel discouraged when if something doesn't go 
by plan because you know you might think oh, i'm fixed this everything is great i'm going to do this wonderful thing and then something goes wrong and then they react that don't respond correctly they they start beating themselves up well no it's just the next layer it just means that something's been healed the layer has been peeled and then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one um and again like you said having that self-awareness the ability to step back and observe rather than wallowing that guilt and shame and whatnot and just know that you have the tools to or kind of a self-awareness to heal you know what to do or you know that you have the courage to seek help or whatever it is that you need to do or maybe it just comes down to self-regulating through breathing or through um breathing tapping meditation whatever it may be so all these tools are really really important um yeah so again having 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 that knowledge and self-awareness absolutely and knowing again with adhd specifically it's knowing that you celebrating your uniqueness i mean i can't emphasize that i love calling it genius yeah honestly belief is true um and knowing that you think different like you say we notice things that other people don't little details and you can say that's again based on the trauma the hypersensitivity that we've developed to little reactions from people that we had to potentially protect ourselves from um now that's the gift noticing those little details whether in a creative profession or in, in like our profession or like in or, or everyday life, noticing things that other people don't, that's a very, very typical um, thing for FAH people. And that's a wonderful gift to have. So again, celebrating that uniqueness and then working through the things that you don't want to do anymore, you know, the reactivity, the impulsivity, the uh, speaking and offending people, <laughs> whatever it is. Do you know what, and they- Maria Folio, just sorry to interrupt, Maria Folio said this thing on, again, on, it was on Stephen Butler's, uh, Butler's podcast, podcast, Diary of CAO, it's my favourite podcast at the moment, that's the reason why I mention it, and she got a diagnosis of, of ADHD, but what I thought was wonderful was that the, the way that the doctor said it to her was, was congratulations, you have the gift. <laughs> what difference that has made to, to her for her confidence oh, yeah and now she's smashing it as a female entrepreneur you know she's got a show she's got her books and just to say that I, I think that's the thing it's 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 this is why we need to ditch the disorder where it's not a disorder and this is why I don't like I don't like labels generally it's like okay those are the symptoms you call it ADHD but actually it's a gift and we know this from the past right and it's not having to go at clinicians because you look at the past history of medicine, you know, we used to lock people up who had psychiatric illnesses and we used to put them in jackets in in padded cells. We wouldn't do that nowadays, right? So it's progress. And I think the other thing that's also important, just from a liability point of view, um, we talked about EFT and we talked about, you know, RTT and hypnotherapy and breath work and all that sort of stuff. We're not saying that drug therapy isn't useful and if it works for you, then that's great. I think it's just say, and if you are, if you have got ADHD and you're on drug therapy, don't come off it and say, listen to this podcast and I've come off my meds and I'm going to go and go do breath work. We're not, obviously always speak to your GP, always speak to your clinician. I think what we're trying to say here really is, is that it isn't a disorder. There are other ways in which you can understand who you are, not what you've got, who you are. And working with people like yourself and working with people like me, I mean, you're an ADHD specialist. I'm a PTSD and anxiety specialist. Um, working with people, we can help you understand what that is. And then you can go and have 
there's multiple choices. So we get to the root cause, right? To find out who you are and why you are and empower you then to make those choices. You might want to do breath work. You might want to do EFT. You might be fine. You might want to just get on with your life. But I think what we give people is choice and empowerment, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I agree with you. Uh, it's whatever works for you. And definitely do not uh, get off the track just because you listen to the podcast and drugs. Uh, I mean, medication has its time in place. They do help a lot of things. And uh, yeah, of course, never change them. But it isn't the only so, option, right? But it's not the only option. Absolutely. And you can use them in combination. And you have clients mm. who still are on Ritalin or or, or Elvans or similar, um, but they are continuing to heal. And a medication can help you focus. And that's about but that's about it, right? It doesn't help you with a lot of other, sometimes also to hold back the impulsive reaction. So it definitely helps. It has its time and place. It's about choices. And I think anyone who's serious about healing, about getting better, needs to be informed about these different Absolutely. choices. And I think that's it. It's about, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, right? We're trying to inform people. We could go on and on and on with this podcast. And I am going to bring it to a close in a second because it'll just go on and I know it will. Um, but so that, that, it's a podcast on ADHD. It's only to be expected. Yeah, yeah, right. You know? <laughs> so I want to ask you one, one last a couple of questions. If somebody's listening to this podcast now and they're going, God, this is landing. I'm not a weirdo. There's like other, there's two weirdos on this podcast that are talking about this. Um, and 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 it really lands and they can see themselves in your story. They can see themselves in my story. They can see themselves in like this journey that we've both been on, right? Because we're here to serve. At the end of the day, we've been there, we've done it. I know, my, I think we both said this before, but my thing is I never want anybody to go through what I did. I'm pretty sure that's your mission as well. That's your dream. Um, if you're going to give somebody, they always say it's good to talk. And again, I've I've often found that you, when you open up and say how you're feeling, depends on who you talk to, depends on what happens next. And again, if, if you don't speak to the right people, then you close back in and you don't go and get that help. So that said, if you're going to give somebody one tip to take away, if they've taken something from this, what's the first step that you would get them to take? Besides getting in contact with you, because we'll come in that in a second. But what would be the one thing that you would say, you know, you know, to that person if you if they were in front of you now and going, I'm feeling the fear. I've kind of opened up before. Nobody's ever listened to me, but I see myself in this story. What would be the one tip if you could give them one tip or maybe a couple of tips that they could take right now? What action could they take right now? Right now. Mm-hmm. So many things come to mind, but for me, it's understanding. Again, it's it's healing. You have to heal. My motto is heal because it can be done. Um, so I think that leads on to the next thing then. So I think <laughs> I think it's obviously a topic that you're passionate about. It's a topic where I'm sure you talk about that on social media and, and places like that. So if they're not ready to kind of go, do you know what? I want to go and book a call with you. And we'll put, by the way, if you do want to get in touch with um, there, you I'll, everything's in the show notes. So we'll put everything in there. But if they want it to just, you know, observe, because sometimes we need to observe, right? Sometimes we need to, can I trust that person? What are they saying? How can I, how can they connect, say, social media, Instagram, Facebook? Where are you? Where, where are you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they just want to connect, I'm always passionate about this. I'm always happy to share my experience, my story, and just, you know, just help with it. Sometimes it just helps to know that you're not alone, to hear somebody else's story. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's more healing than anything else, because you think, oh my God, you, 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 like you said, I'm not a weirdo. So- um, You are, but I in a good way. 
Actually, yes, celebrate being a winner. I always, I always say, I've got this phrase, like the game of Tetris, if you fit in, you disappear. Yeah. Who wants to fit in? Why, or or why why do you want to fit in when you're worn to stand out? Exactly, yeah. So where, where can they find, where do you kind of spend most of your time trying to educate people around this? Mm-hmm. Is it on Instagram? Is it on Facebook? Where, where do you kind of hang out? Yeah, at the moment it's Facebook. Okay. So it's find me just connect with me at uh dea that's d-e-a uh Fileva. um i'm also instagram but at the moment it's mostly uh facebook on my website i also have a couple of um um seminars on adhd on youtube so okay. they can them through my website dayafileva.com but mostly facebook i mean you can just drop me a message so we'll pop all that in the show, in the show notes, and then yeah. they can they can find their way to trying to find out more about you and what you do. Um, now, I, this is the one thing that we didn't talk about because I always leave this because if you'd listen to the show, you'd know that this question comes up. But I always ask this question. I don't tell you beforehand because I like to put you on the spot. So we always ask anybody who comes on, what is their what was their go to quote? What is their go to thing that they say? that kind of inspires them? What was that? Have you got an inspirational quote um, that really lands with you? Um, <laughs> is there anything that is there, is there anything you could share? What's that quote that you go to maybe when you're feeling a bit down or, you know, things are a bit tough or something that just inspires you and lifts you up? Is there any quote or phrase or anything that you'd like to share that, that grounds you and gets you back into knowing that you are? amazing mm-hmm. you're a human being and you're here for a reason and it just gives you that pick me up a good weirdo yeah, yeah I um i think it's the one i just mentioned why are you trying so hard to fit in when you're born to stand out and i think this is so relevant to people with adhd because so why, you... why, i'm gonna write that down i'm gonna write that down so it's why are you trying to fit in why are you trying so hard to fit in when I you were born to stand so out. Hard to fit in when you were born to stand out. That is going to be the subtitle of the podcast today. I love that. I think that's. I think that was, that's that's for everybody, right? That's not even ADHD, is it? We're all here for a purpose. We're all here for a reason. You know, the chances yeah. of us being on this journey from a bit of stardust that's gone through millions of years to be the human that we are on this planet is not you know that didn't happen by chance there's a reason why we're all here and i think you know everybody should shine shouldn't they you know exactly yeah it's definitely for everybody it's just that for us um we feel so different like you said in the beginning and we try to fit in we try to fit in whereas it's not about fitting in you know we don't what you and i do and that's a difference you asked me earlier why should they come to me or us and uh, instead of you know taking instead of doing something else well that's the difference we empower people to stand out rather than you know tr- making them fit in yeah we get and, and i think that's the thing isn't it is that it's not about disempowering or shutting things down which is mm-hmm. what most people feel it, it's about going do you know what you are meant to be here and love every part of you and love yeah. who you are and we're not saying that that journey is is going to be easy it's one of the things that i often find people in the transformation field do it's like moving to the light it's not about moving to the light to move to the light you've got to go through the darkness 
because if you look at oil or, or, or black, the color black is made up of all of the colors of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the light is there just to, to, to shine a light on all the colors of the rainbow. So, you know, you've, you've got to go into the darkness. You've got to understand your shadow. You've got to understand who you truly are. You can't just understand the nice bits. You've got to understand... Yeah. I'm a, I'm a massive Carl Jung fan, so any shadow work or anything like that, I'm all over that. Um, but yeah, but and that's and again, that's what we do. We we help people embrace their shadow, right? Because yeah. because it's not good and bad; they're part mm -hmm. of the same thing. You can't know love if you haven't known hate. You can't know connection if you don't know disconnection. So yeah. it's about finding out, and and that's maybe what ADHD is. Maybe that's the way we do it. It's the polarity. So if you want to call it normal and abnormal. The abnormal is just as important, if not more important, than what we would perceive as being normal. So you're yeah. just part of a polarity that creates that balance that we talked about with the left and right brain. You just have to yeah. be able to understand both sides of it so you can find that that balance in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and allow yourself to be yourself. I mean, yeah. it's so easy to, be at, um, to go into the other extreme, right, as well, and to say, so if there's anybody listening to this who's neurotypical, doesn't have ADHD, maybe they're living with someone who does and that's why they want to understand and so on. And they start to feel, oh, well, I'm not that special then. Well, no, <laughs> everybody is. Yeah. Everybody is about allowing, you know, appreciating. And it's that another area that you can help people with. I, I think that's really important. So if you have got somebody who, you know, do you work with people say it's a relationship and that one person is would be deemed as being more neurodivergent one's more neurotypical is that something that you can help people do about educating people um about that so that they understand because i think that's important right this isn't just for people who may have ADHD yeah. or may, this is actually for everybody it's about inclusivity and going understanding oh that's why that person does that because if you get a diagnosis and often a lot of people won't go for help because they get a label. So oh, you've got that label, you sit over there in that ADHD corner. That's not what this is about. It's about understanding that inclusion, integrating, because if we can integrate, we need both, right? We, we've got those people that set the rules and are not very creative. They're important because that stops the crazy people like us going off yeah. on a tangent. So we, <laughs> we need that. We need that balance. But equally, the world will never progress unless you've got people that are creative that can think outside the box, people that are going to push those boundaries, which is the qualities of people that are a bit more neurodivergent. So it's not them and us, it's coming together as a whole. And when we work together and understand, it, understand each other and how we fit into that environment and where we should be, surely the world has got to be a better place because it's pretty screwed at the moment, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you said that that's the real issue um yeah it's about understanding. i mean everybody's again to quote uh dr gabramate everybody has or ev everyone really i mean a lot of people say that and i believe it as well everybody has a creative power um it's just some some people op operate differently in a more methodical way mm. and even some creative people operating in a more methodical way so one of the problems is that we try so hard to categorize, to categorize into diagnosis, different diagnosis, categorize people into this or that. So, and it's all about like, understanding coming together. Um, people who live with people who ADHD and they themselves are more neurotypical if, if we want to put a label on it. They sometimes really, that's the, what's one um, feedback I get on my content is that 
um, it, it makes sense to them now. It's they having a really hard time understanding that person um, who has ADHD. And, and so, yes, it's really, really important to educate those people yeah. Um, as well. And yeah, it's all about bringing it together. So it's on the one hand, and I do, yes, like you said, it's for everyone. It's for people with ADHD to understand themselves. It's for people with ADHD to communicate to their partners. And yes, that's something I do help them do as well. Um, if, they, if they are in a relationship, if they want to do it, because it takes both. And you, <laughs> when you take responsibility, um for the way you are so I always say it's not it was it's not your fault it's not your fault what happened to you it's not your fault that you grew up in a bad environment that your mom and dad weren't as, as attentive as they should have been but it's your responsibility to change and it's your responsibility to grow and again someone said um I remember who now you don't have 50 50 percent responsibility in a relationship it's a hundred percent and a hundred percent yeah so you, when you you're take after two holes not two halves Exactly. You know, a half person, that means another half, and then you have a codependent relationship. Great. <laughs> no, when you take 100% responsibility, you come from a place of, yes, I may have ADHD, I have these um, traits that some are great and some are not so great because maybe every now and then I hurt your feelings, but I'm working on it. I really am. But this is where you can meet me halfway because you understand. And same for the other person, right? Don't use it. I mean, some people you oh, I have ADHD, so always forget. I sometimes say, oh yeah, I have jokingly, I have ADHD, so I'm late, but you know, I'm sorry. And I'm trying to get better and so on. Um, so when you come from a place of putting things into context, it's okay when you come from a place of I have ADHD, so I'm excused. That doesn't work. Yeah, and I think that's important. I think that's really, really important. And we're going to have to wind the podcast up. It's going to go on forever. Um, but yeah, and I, so I, I want to just end this to say I think that the what that where that conversation went. I think we need to ditch the label. We can use mm-hmm. it, but understand it that it's just a label and that's it. And I think it's about integrating and understanding what ADHD really is. Um, and and I, I I am gonna I never normally do this on the podcast. I should do it more. But what I want to do is, that if you are listening to this, if you are listening to this, whether you are neurodiverse, whether you're neurotypical, please please share this podcast. And the reason why I'm asking you to share this podcast is is that we've we've gone into some real topics and subjects that are all about what's happening in the world at the moment. I think we picked up on a lot of topics of disconnection, people feeling you know, displaced people, you know, people not having the energy, depression, anxiety. And it may well be that somebody listens to this podcast today and recognizes and realizes that they're not a freak, that they're not a weirdo, that they're just having a human experience and that there are opportunities to get support and help um, that isn't just around talking. You know, um, we're we're both really passionate about this and that's why we do the work that we do. So I just want to say, Dad, thank you so much. And I'm going to close the podcast down because I've got more questions. Maybe we need to do a follow up on this. Um, but yeah, so if people can't share this, but we're going to put everything in the show notes, all your, how they can contact you, how they can get um, in touch with you. And as I say, please share this podcast because I think, um, yeah, this has been one of my favorites that I've done for some time. So I just want to say thank you very much. Um, and yeah, do you want to say goodbye to everybody before we close it down? It was an absolute pleasure to be here with you, Marcus. I also could go on <laughs> forever on this time. And it was lovely speaking to you. Okay. Thank you so much to everyone who's uh, listened to this as well. Thank you for getting through to the end. Um, and 
Yes, just please share it. And um, I'm sure it can help so many people. It's about understanding. Understanding really is power. And having that self-awareness and also awareness of the other is really what's the most powerful and most healing thing. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Um, and yeah, so please share. And um, I've got a, I've got a coaching session in about 10 minutes. So I'm going to I'm going to have to I've got like I've got loads of things going wrong in my head. Like I want to get into my book now and just go, right, there's loads of stuff that I want to download. There's loads of stuff that was really, really good on that. So I need to ground myself, do a bit of breathing and get myself back. But thank you so, so much. Um, and as I say, if if you enjoyed this podcast, please share because that share could actually change somebody's life. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Talking Minds podcast. Why not give it a share? Share it with a friend. And let's see if we can start to make the world a more abundant and amazing place because that all starts with you. If you want to connect on Instagram, you can follow me at at Marcus A. Matthews. And if you want to come and work with me and find out more about the way that I can help people find the root cause to those blocks in their lives, check out my website at makeyourlifecount.co.uk. And until next time, remember have all the answers inside you already. So go ahead and make your life count.